Well, we are getting sort of a late start today with all the things happening, but we are in Colossians chapter 2. And Lord, open our hearts to hear all the things you're saying to the church today. In Jesus' name. Well, Colossians 2, verse 18 to 23, let no one cheat you of your reward. So we remember that Epaphras is bringing Paul the report about the Colossae church. It's growing and it's doing well, but heresy has come and infiltrated the church. And it's actually a particular brand that ended up developing out of Colossae called the Colossian heresy. It was sort of a mixture of Gnosticism and mysticism and Judeoism. And so Judaism was mixed in with sort of an Eastern religion and it sort of came out to this new type of brand of Christianity that was not true and was not glorifying Jesus and all the work on the cross. So Paul is telling these Colossians, as all Christians, we, we're surprised after being born again that we still struggle with so many sinful things that are in the world, that are in our bodies, that are in our minds. And, and we're surprised that, hey, I'm born again, I want to serve Jesus, but yet there's this great weakness this greed, this anger, this lust, like in everybody in the world, even non-Christians, it's still in me. What's the answer? And, and this is where Satan comes in and says, okay, you can be a Christian, but here's the answer. And last time we looked at this, it was legalism, really cutting it down to are you circumcised? Are you ba- How did you get baptized? When did you get baptized? How did you get baptized? Uh, and then, of course, what foods are you eating? And what days are you worshiping on? And how do you celebrate different Jewish feasts? Oh, you're not. Oh, there's the problem. And so if you get circumcised or baptized in a certain way or start keeping certain Jewish traditions, then you'll see victory over your flesh, over your sinful condition. So the answer is... And so it's not just Jesus, him paying for your sins on the cross, being buried and raising again the third day and trusting in him. But now there's a plus sign, plus, and now they give you their formula. Mysticism, Gnosticism, uh, uh, Judaism, uh, of, of legalism, of different ways. And that's what we looked at last time. And Paul made it clear, we have a complete victory through the death and the resurrection of Christ. All our sins are forgiven. He's paid all of the sins. It's com- we are complete in him. You're in him. He's in you. You're complete. The work is done. We, you've already been circumcised. The Holy Spirit did that in your hearts. You've already... Uh, been baptized in, in the moment that you believed where you're baptized in the death of Christ and raised again uh, with Christ. There's not, no more circumcision. There's no baptisms. There's no more legalism of anything. It's not going to help fulfill it. It's in him you're complete. In him, you're forgiven and filled with this life. In him, all the evil forces that are in this world, satanic, demonic forces, no longer will win and have power over us. In him, um, all of the list that was against us, the handwritings, the requirements that were against us have been nailed to the cross. All our sins have been covered by the blood of cross, Christ. And so you no longer need to be told no longer need to be judged by what you eat and what you drink and festivals and new moons and Sabbaths because Christ is the fulfillment. He's the substance of the shadow of the Old Testament was a shadow of what we now have been fulfilled in Christ and he fulfilled it all. And so um, our fleshly sinful conditions, it's not gonna be fought and won by legalism or baptism or circumcision or foods or days. Again, in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, he says it plainly, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in 
him. And Jesus is all the fullness, and that's what we have. All his fullness is in us. And guess what? We are full. Jesus, all the fullness of the God that dwells in him, and he, we are complete because we are in him. And so today we're going to look at mysticism or spiritualism, this method of, of uh, seeing the spiritual realm with our senses and feeling it. Or, and, and in this case, the Colossian case, it actually turned into full-blown worship of angels. And then also aestheticism, denying yourself of human wants and desires. Uh, we, we see this like when they lived in the monasteries uh, in the Catholic Church. And it always leads back to legalism. So let's, let's read verses 18 through 23. So let no one cheat you of the reward, taking delight and false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which is not seen, vainly puffed up by the fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the, all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Verse 20, therefore, if or since you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. Or what they're selling, don't buy it because it will not fulfill what the claims they, they give you to do. You know, you always see those things on the, the TV, right? You know, get this contraption, it'll take all your neck pains away. And, and then take this contraption and it'll take care of your ankle issue. And, and it's so funny. I mean, if you sat there in one day and bought all the contraptions that are advertised on the TV, you would have a room full of these things and you would look, uh, you'd look very silly, you know, strapped to your neck and your arm and your leg and all the pills you were taking, you wouldn't have, be able to eat any food. So in verse 18 now, let no one cheat you of reward. There it is. Taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, intruding to those things which have not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. So let no one cheat you of your reward, to rob you, to defraud you. Literally, this is saying, don't let somebody be the umpire in your life calling balls and strikes for you. Call, saying you're out when you're not out. So again, what happens to all of us is we, we begin to realize as Christians, God is holy and perfect and loving and kind and merciful. And I mean, and angry and lustful and greedy. And, and you know, I don't love anybody. And God loves the whole world. And people irritate me. And, and, and you begin to realize Man, this, this, is, this lust is deep. This anger is dark. This weakness of my flesh, if people really knew what I'm like when I'm alone by myself and what goes on in my brain, you would not be my friend. If everybody knew what goes on my brain during the week, they wouldn't let me into that church at all. I'm born again, but I am seriously messed up. And so as you're going through this thing, you're thinking, well, the Bible doesn't address this. The Bible isn't really helping me get from A to Z. Once you get to the letter L or M or N, it, it sort of pooters out. I, I need something else to get me there. And somebody comes and says, okay, don't tell your pastor about this. He probably wouldn't approve. But this, there's this guy, Barney, who's got this Bible study in this guy's house, and, and I'll take you there. I won't give you the address, but don't tell people, but he is going to give you the real inside scoop on Christianity. Have you ever heard of the book of Barak? I didn't think so. 
Because the Christian church, you know, they're, they're covering up the real books that are out there. The lost books of the Bible. Those are the ones they don't want you to know about because then you'll have this superior knowledge and they're keeping it from you. And so until you have this knowledge that Barney can give you next Sunday morning, you're, you're going to be constantly struggling. And so you go in and everybody's there and, and there's Barney and oh, he's going to give you his great wisdom of the ages that's going to Oh, bring such an enlightenment to you that you're now going to be able to, to understand true Christianity for the first time. You, you know, I, I, I'm always blown away when people, often people have been Christians for decades, will, will be seduced into that. And usually after a few months and they lost all their money or they're in the middle of a divorce or Barney ran off with his wife or whatever it is, they're, they're like going, what happened? How did I get sucked into that? How did I buy into that? It's, we all get lonely. We all get, we hurt in this bodies. We've really been scarred in our life, from our childhood, and we've all been betrayed by our own family, our best of friends. We carry around scars and wounds that don't heal, and they won't heal until heaven. And so Satan's no dummy. He, he, he gets one demon to slash you here. He gets a couple more demons to fire, fire, some fiery darts from here. He gets some demons to come in the back door over here and get you in a uniquely weakened place. And then he slides in there with this new gospel, this new brand of Christianity. And it amazes me every time that some of the most solid Christians, you realize they, they really haven't been growing the last 10 years in the Lord. They really haven't been seeking God in the word. They, they've been appearing to us at church when they come to church that, man, they're doing it. They're praying, they're seeking God in the word, they're talking about their faith and in their life and, and in their homes, they're glorifying Christ. I, I just assume that's what's going on in their life because they appear that way at church on Sundays. But in reality, outside of church and, you know, half hearing a sermon, that, that's it. And that's been going on for 10 years, 20 years. They still have never read the book of, of what? Haggai or Zechariah. Have you guys read Haggai? Have you guys read Zechariah? Have you read Hezekiah? There is no book of Hezekiah. It's the name of a king. Trick you. Dirty. That was a dirty trick. Get you starting lifting your hand and then, you know. So again, it just, it just so grieves me when I see people sucked into this. And, and you, you see them now pursuing a bunch of things that they're told is deep and meaningful and meat and, and vegetables when it's really just a bunch of cotton candy. And you can eat five tons of cotton candy and you will not get filled up and you won't be energized whatsoever. It looks good, but it is not good. So don't be deceived, he says in verse 4. Verse 8, he says, don't let anybody cheat you. And, and I'll just say for, for leaders and for teachers, James makes it clear, don't let there be many teachers among you leading this Christianity because you're going to all, everybody who starts leading things, everybody who starts teaching people, they better, they better be sound in their doctrine. They're sound in their doctrine, then don't worry about the day of judgment for those who are leading and teaching. But if you're not teaching sound doctrine, then understand that God is going to bring a very strict judgment upon you. And so I, I know for myself, I, I do double time making sure that what I'm teaching is sound doctrine. 
Because I, I understand that as a pastor, as a leader, I'm going to stand before God and that area of my life is going to be judged. Now, I'll, I'll say it's true in some area of your life. Uh, husbands towards your wives, what kind of leadership have you given them? Parents towards their kids, what kind of leadership? What kind of things have you taught them? Not always what they taught, but what's been caught <laughs> uh, from your life. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3, that there's all kinds of different teachers. And he himself, he said, I'm a wise master builder. The foundation I have laid is Christ and salvation by faith alone. And now others there in the Corinthian church, he says in 1 Corinthians 3, have showed up and they've been building. So this actually has a two application. One, you're building on, your, on the foundation of your salvation. You're the one also building, putting bricks on this house being built. But other people, other teachers, uh, you know, we, you said um, Apollos and Cephas and Aquila and Priscilla and others were coming through their teaching and their, some of their teachings were contradicting Paul's teachings. And Paul says, you know what? God's going to judge their work on how they've built in this spiritual house of the church in Corinth. And that day will make it clear whether it was really gold and silver and fine metals or whether it was wood, hay, and stubble. That day will uh, indeed reveal it. So in this particular case, false humility, the worship of angels, we're talking about mysticism. Or maybe a parallel word, I think, would be today spiritualism in a general sense. It's the opposite of intellectualism. So earlier, we, we learned about don't, don't be deceived by the philosophies, the intellectual superiority of people they claim to have. But now it's the opposite of intellectualism. Don't let people come in and persuade you with some mystical experience, sort of like in the, the Eastern religions. You know, I'm going to go over and sit on a mountain next to Guru Hobawaji, whatever, and uh, we're going to sit up there for 30 days and, and we're going to be enlightened and, and go into the third heaven together. And, and uh, you know, I got to get my hair cut and get some beads and get a robe and, and, uh, you know, and me and, and uh, three other, you know, rock bands are all going to be up there, you know, just like the Beatles went there. You know, I, I remember years ago, the Beatles went to be enlightened and they said, eh, we didn't get enlightened. We spent a lot of money, millions of dollars to these guys, but we didn't get enlightened. But this is the kind of thing that brought into Christianity. You know, I, I've been amazed in my lifetime. You know, there was the Worldwide Church of God out of Pasadena. You guys remember that? Man, that was a big deal. It was pure out, Eastern religion mixed in with Christianity. And this guy having these divine revelations, wrote it in his book. And then you had the Robert Schulers coming in. And, and basically his gospel was everybody that believes in God as a brother. So he had Muslims and Hindus speaking at church on Sunday. Can you imagine me bringing into some Hindu, like a Gandhi guy, I'm a Christian, I am a Muslim, I am a Hindu, I am a Mormon, I am a Joe, you know, I, I embody all the best things, you know. Life is like a, a wheel and all the spokes lead to the hub. We're all going to the same hub. You know, it's whatever spoke. You may have a Hindu spoke or a Mormon spoke or a Muslim spoke, but we're all going to get to the, there. And so now if we will unify, we'll be at peace. If we just agree that every way you choose leads to God. It's about sincerity. It's about honesty. It's about integrity. You don't need to worry about the Hindu. He's getting to the same God as you are. You don't need to worry about the Muslim. He, even though his teachings out here are different, it, it's, his spoke also will lead to the same place. Yeah, it, there's an appearance of wisdom in this. It's like, man, dang, how can you argue against the will analogy? That will analogy, man, that one, I just, I couldn't go to my Baptist church anymore after I heard the will analogy. It was so convincing. Uh, there was such a peace when I realized 
I can just accept everybody's truth as their truth and, and everybody's truth is, is wonderful. Well, you, you understand you can't have truth unless there's error, right? I mean, it's like telling everybody at the Olympics, it doesn't matter where you shoot the arrow, every arrow you shoot is hitting the bullseye. And why are we even showing up? If you have truth, if you say truth exists, you can only know there's truth by the fact that there is also lie. There is untruth. If everything is true, then there is no truth because there's no lie. And so as much as they try to convince you with these demonic spirits of the age, and I am not saying they're not powerful. Satan and his demons are powerful. They've been on this earth for thousands of years. They've deceived thousands of cultures. They've seen people that look exactly like you a hundred times over. There's a guy that looked like you in Greece. There was a guy uh, a thousand years ago. There was a guy that looked just like you in Ireland uh, 150 years ago. Same personality. With your personality, I can, I, your, your type of personality is going to be heading towards depression. You're the type of hella personality that's an addiction. You're the type of personality that's easy to get bitter. So I'm just going to manipulate things in your life to get you down whichever dark path I need. And once you're there, I'm going to convince you that God isn't sufficient for you. Christ is not making you complete. And that you need to either become an atheist and some angry, bitter guy that didn't even believe in God, or you need to go and listen to whatever heresy. Satan doesn't care what heresy you listen to, as long as you don't listen to the truth. And so, again, when, when, when I, I look at this, I, I remember when I first started pastoring, there was the Boston Church of Christ movement. You guys remember this? It came out of the Church of Christ, but the Church of Christ eventually kicked them out of it. But this Boston Church of Christ, they taught some wild and crazy things. But they grew to the hundreds of thousands. All young people in colleges, they convinced them that, that they had to first come and confess all their sins to somebody, and this guy would write him down, they would get filed. In their name, they start a, a, a chart with him. So if that person ever leaves, they're like, hey, I can get you thrown in jail. I can tell people about what you did when you were in high school, and you know. And, and they're like, oh, I don't want this stuff revealed, and stay. And then, of course, they, it was all about money, getting the money from them. And then you had to be baptized in their church, only in the Boston Church of Christ. Well, eventually, that thing went on for 20 years, and I'm, I'm fighting. I mean, we got booklets put together on taking apart each of the lies of this group, but they were so charismatic. And whether the, they learned it or whether Satan taught it to them, but they had all the principles of salesmanship. Man, it's good to see you. And five other people, dude, oh, give me a hug. I'm so glad you lost weight. Man, you look great. I love that shirt, dude. I, I, I know you've lost weight. You look so good, man. You've been working out, haven't you? you know, oh, God, I'm so glad. Hey, sit next to me. No, 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 you sit next to me. Oh. And you're just like, you know, they, they called it love bombing. They actually created a term, love bombing. So when you see somebody that's starting to go away, we need to love bomb them. Everybody invites them out for lunch or dinner. Everybody goes to their house and brings them a casserole. Everybody tells them how good they look and try to sit by them to keep them in the group. All these demonic tactics. But I'm looking at these young college kids that have grown up in our church going, this is a cult. Red flags, ringing the bell, screaming, let me sit down with me. No, no, they took me. I'm, I'm doing a discipleship program with them right now. And then they'd come and share some verse going, this is, they're right. They have to be right. Look at this verse. And it's like, dude, it's totally out of context. Let me tell you what it really says. 
But they were so in, in this cult, they couldn't hear anything outside. But eventually, the Kit McKean guy who started this ended up taking millions of dollars and disappearing, and the whole thing disappeared. The worldwide church of God completely disappeared. I, I can't, I, in my lifetime, I have seen this in the 40 years I've pastored over and over again. But what's always amazing to me is that people that you wouldn't think would get sucked into these things, get sucked into these things, and they get deceived, and they get cheated, and then they are being used to manipulate other people. Today, we have some very powerful Hollywood-type gospels, the Oprah Winfrey-type of gospel. Remember, Shirley MacLaine was big, uh, for a long time, you know, going out on her Malibu terrace overlooking the ocean. I am God. I am God. I am God. You know, and, and, and people by the millions buying into it. And not thousands, millions of Americans. But then you realize it's really only for the elite. <laughs> it's really only for movie stars and millionaires and, and jet-setting people. They, their, their brand is, is really for them, not for the average schmo, not from some plumber from Philadelphia, <laughs> you know. But they always do the same thing. They have visions. They have dreams. They have feelings. They have intuitions. They have voices directing them. You know, I, I remember one, there was this guy, and, and it ended up being the reason this little cult was going on is the guy was a homosexual targeting young teenage boys. That ended up being it. But this guy was charismatic like you wouldn't believe. And, and they, he came to our church and he met me and he's like, started giving words of knowledge and things I've been doing that week and things that were secrets of my heart. He was spot on on everything he said. And they're like going, Brian, he did that to me too. Isn't that amazing? Everything he said was true. And it's like, yeah, Satan has power, guys. <laughs> are, are, you, are you saying that God alone has power? People have power. I think some people are born with their brains that are just incredible, picking up things that the average person doesn't pick up. But I also believe that demons really talk. I think demons are really active. Well, this week you're going to meet somebody dark, tall, and handsome. And a good-looking guy beats you up in the alley and takes your wallet. Yeah, you did. I met somebody. Satan, demons can arrange things. Yeah, we're in a real spiritual battle, guys. The, the deceivers are really deceiving people. And often it's with spiritual things that do have clout in the real world but it's only to lead you astray. I remember uh, a, one, one of my spiritual mentors, Dr. Long, when he first went to, to uh, Argentina in the jungle as a missionary, this is back in the early 20s, 30s, the witch doctors literally were raising people from the dead, at least it looked like it, but right in front of him, he saw broken arms get completely healed by witch doctors. Yes, scars from a, getting hit in the head with something disappear and the head be completely healed by witch doctors. Yeah, it was, it was mind-boggling. Satan does have power. And you look in Revelation, the whole world's going to be deceived by the Antichrist because he calls fire out of heaven. It's like, hey, I don't, I don't need your drones. I don't like what Iran's doing. Okay, blow up all of their nuclear weapons. Did you see that? The guy just called fire out of it. Yeah, I think the Antichrist is going to be able to do that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, did you see that thing? They don't know what it is. It's demons. It's demons are flying around. The Bible says in the last days, there's going to be signs in the heavens above. It's all a part of this saying there's something spiritual that's true other than Christianity. It's aliens. It's spaceships. It's this guru. It's Oprah Winfrey and, and her thing now, or 
Or it's always going to be something. And, and Paul is making it clear. Don't let them cheat you. Don't let somebody have a position in your life where they say, that food's acceptable, that food's not acceptable. That, this is what you need to do, and that's what you need to do. I had a vision last night, and this is what God told me for you. I had a dream, and it's for you, and this is what you need to do now. Don't let anybody be that kind of umpire in your life whatsoever. The whole contrast to mysticism is being a disciple, where you're learning logically, verse by verse, teaching, studying, meditating in the word. No, I just need to set, uh, you know, with my arms open and my knees crossed and, and a sun with a nice breeze and, and put a dot in the center of my head and, and get in touch with the, the third universe. That's what I need to do. And it's right there in the Bible. I think Ezekiel did it. That's how he saw his visions. You know, he was out meditating in the field. No, no. To the Galatian believers... He, he, he makes it clear, if you're getting new information, Paul says in Galatians 1.8, if we or an angel from heaven are preaching any other gospel to you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. You know, we see in, second, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, people are writing letters in my handwriting, in my name, saying they're from me with my signature, and they are very convincing but they're saying something different from me. They're, they're frauds. Don't throw those letters away. Burn them. So this is why Paul's alive. How much more people write false gospel and false letters from Peter, from Paul, from whoever. But Paul is saying, hey, if I come to you, if it looks like the apostle Paul himself, it looks like me. Hey, Paul was here in Ephesus. I, can't be. He was, he's in prison in Rome right now. I'm telling you, he came to me last night. It was Paul. I know what he looks like. Paul's saying, hey, if it looks like it's me appearing to you, saying something different, then let me be accursed. <laughs> if an angel appears, do you know how many cults always have angels in them? The Mormon church, that's how it all started. Moroni showed Joseph Smith the golden tablets and he put some glasses on called the Ermethubim and he could be able to translate this, this Egyptian hieroglyphics off the Book of Mormon. It's always, always some angelic being. Several years back, I, I was absolutely amazed. It was a, a Catholic lady who had a child die and she it was either Mary or an angel or God, I can't remember what it was, appeared to her and told her and her husband to sell everything they have and to build an angel shop and just sell all kind of angels because angel is what's really gonna unify the planet because all religions have angels and in all the religions, angels are never offensive. So, you, you know, the Muslims, they're not offended by an angel. The Catholics aren't offended by angels. Christians aren't offended by angels. And it's actually God told me that the world's going to be unified by the message of angels. When I heard that, I'm like going, Satan is rolling, laughing, going, yes, finally somebody gets it. That old fallen angel himself who is going to unify the world as a demonic angel pretending to be the, being the Messiah. But the shop right here in Southern California, it exploded. They be, they, they, now people from all religions come to the shop around the world to look at this angel shop and buy angels for all the various decorations. And, and uh, in her house and in many other people's, they have angels everywhere, all kinds of wood angels and glass angels and fountain angels. And I know Satan loves that. Yeah, angels are active, guys, and they're very deceptive. And Satan would love you to focus on angels because he's an angel. But again, the, the bottom line is this. All of these teachings, they minimize Jesus. 
Jesus is no longer the central figure. Mary is. The saints are. There's St. Peter and St. Thomas and St. And then where is Jesus? Well, he's in Mary's arms over here, this little baby Jesus. Or he's that little frail guy up on the cross over there. And, and, and even if you went to Jesus, that would be prideful of you. Because he's the big guy. We shouldn't be bothering him. Just go to your saint and let him talk to Jesus when he's not busy. That's a humble. You're being humble if you're that way. If you talk directly to Jesus, who are you to do that? That's prideful. Be humble and talk to an angel. Talk to a mediator. Well, 1 Peter or 1 Timothy 2.5 makes it clear. There is one God and there is how many? One mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There is only one mediator in any other mediator that any religion points to you. The prophet Muhammad or this Eastern religion guru or anybody else, guys. It's from the pit of hell. But the Mormons are some of the best people I know outwardly. Just like the Pharisees, Jesus said outwardly. They, they look like an angel of light. But once you take off the outer mask, it's the devil. That's how Satan always comes, as an angel of light. He always sends his prophets as prophets of light. He always sends his apostles as apostles of light. But they are demonic. And again, in the name of being at peace, in the name of humility, it's not humility. What their, their humility is really a masked pride. All they want to do is minimize Jesus and get you to focus on something other than Jesus. True humility comes when we realize God's love for me explains how great he thinks of me right? I mean, I, I've seen some Picasso paintings. I would not want that confusing thing in my house. <laughs> and then there's some Joe Blow has this painting of this beautiful mountain, mountainside with a waterfall and, and, and deer. And, and I'm like, man, I'd love to do that. Picasso, 35 million. This guy's painting, 500. Why, why is that? It's because the value you're placing on it and you're allowing others' opinion to put on it. The fact that Christ came and died for you, writing your name in the book of life, it's God speaking of how great value you are. Does Satan, demonic world, value you? No. You're, you're no more than a bug that's smashed along the side of the road. Well, verse 19 here, and not holding fast to the head from the body, nourished and knit together, joints and ligaments growing in the increase that is from God. Letting go of the head, this is what they always want to do. Let go of Jesus. Let go of the importance of Jesus. Let go of the head. But then where, where is the body? If the body loses the head, I mean, imagine a body walking around right now without a head. <laughs> it can't walk around, can it? Now, a chicken might be able to run around for a little while without its head, but not a human being. Human being can't run around with a, without a head. And, and, and guess what? Every single aspect of the body is ran through the head, right? Everything. The entire, whether it's my little toe, my blood system, my heating system, my fingernail, everything is governed through the head. Without the head, nothing else functions. And you know what else the, the head does? It makes the whole body work together. So I, this, my head is helping this hand and this hand come together to grab the basketball. The head is helping this eye look at the same time the mouth is talking. The head is making it so all the bodies unified and work together. So what does Satan want to do? He wants a headshot. <laughs> he wants the headshot. He wants to take 
Jesus out of the equation. And if you look at all the cults, they minimize Jesus. In Mormonism, Jesus is one of an infinite amount of gods. In Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus is an angel who is not truly Jehovah. He's just an angel that we can call God with a little g. The Muslims, oh, we believe in Jesus. You believe he's a prophet. He's not God at all. Jesus, what does it say in Philippians 2? We all know. It's the Father's will that every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus is what? Lord. He is lifted up. And there is no higher lifted up. I, I think a similar uh, parallel type of imagery would be that in John 15, 4 and 5, right? Abide in him and you in him. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The branch laying on its own, it, it's just going to shrivel up and die. It's got to be into the vine. The head, it's got to be on the body or the body is just laying completely useless, no part of the body. Well, you, without a head, you can still use half of your body. No, you can't. Well, you, you, without a head, you can still use your legs. You can still walk. No, no, you can't. There is not one function of the body that will work without the head, right? Now, you can lose an arm as long as you got the head. The body can still work, right? You can lose a leg. And the body can still work, but you can't lose the head and work in any way, shape, or form. In the same way, we need to focus on Jesus and abiding in Jesus, loving Jesus, and, and receiving his love and his mercy and his grace. That's how we're going to get from A to B, from B to C. So the, all the body, he says, is nourished and knit together through all the joints and the ligaments. It's Jesus bringing it all together. You know, it's interesting that in all of these cults, you quickly realize it's only a small group that can ever really be a part of their group. You know, with the Ofer Winfrey gospel, you gotta be healthy. Non-healthy people, uh, you know, we don't want anybody showing up with, that are blind and in wheelchairs in our religion here. If you're not wealthy and famous, I, I don't really want you to be a part of Scientology. This is, you know, we, we're sort of a select group over here in Scientology. We don't want just regular Joes being able to be a member of this elite group. But in Christianity, all the body can be a part of it. Poor, rich, healthy, sick, educated, not educated. And again, remember a growth in the body. So, man... Let me tell you what happened. Ever since I started going to this guy on Sunday mornings, Bernie, I've lost 25 pounds. I've been reading. I've been walking. I, 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 I've read five books since I've been going there. And I've lost 15 pounds, and I've been working out every day. Can't you see the truth? The effects of his truth? Yeah, I, I, I understand. He gave you a good diet and it made you healthier. He, he persuaded you with a motivation to work out and, and you're getting stronger. But just because he can make some effects in the physical realm does not mean what he's saying is true in the spiritual realm. And I guarantee you, 10 years from now, those 15 pounds will be back. <laughs> and And all of the gains you made, you're going to be right back in the same boat you were before you ever met Bernie. Let me tell you, you'll be right back in the same place. These things don't last. They're a cancer. What did Paul say in 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17? But shun profane and idle babblings, for they increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Man, when I first started going to Bernie's Bible, said there was only 10 people. Now there's 1,000. You can't argue with that kind of success. Yeah, when I first went to the doctor, I had a little tiny tumor. And six months later, it's a giant tumor. Yeah, you know, that's not a good thing. But it really grew. I know, but it's a cancer. It's not good when a cancer grows. 
Just because something grows doesn't mean it's good. And this is what Paul is saying. Just because it's being more accepted, so less people are going to the church of Corinth and more people now are joining this cult over here. So we used to be a church of 500 and now we're a church of 300, 200 are going over to listen to Bernie. Just because he's having an effect and having some success and they bought their own building now and, 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 and they're helping street people get food on every Sunday afternoon doesn't mean they're right. Truth is true because it's true. It's not true because it looks successful to other people. If you're, if you're a Mormon, will you probably be an honest person and do well in business? Yes. It's a very disciplined, regimented lifestyle in Mormonism. And, and so you have some guy going, man, I was an alcoholic till I became a Mormon and I haven't had a drop since then. I, I think every religion can say that. I think there's Hindus that say, I was an alcoholic until I became a Hindu and now I don't drink anymore. Those, those, those things that can happen in the physical realm, it's a growth but it's not a growth that's from God. It's from man helping man. Man is spirit. We've been made in God's image. And so man and his soul and his spirit can help men and their soul and their spirit. But until it's spiritual truth, okay, can a psychologist who's an atheist help somebody who's been traumatized with the tools he's learned in psychology? Absolutely. Well, my, my psychologist is an atheist and he's helped me more than anybody on this earth. Can that be true? It can be true. Because he's spirit and he's soul. He has a brain. But just because he's helped you through this trauma doesn't mean he's giving you spiritual truth. There's a lot of truths that can help people. And I'm really happy those truths can help people. But it's spiritual truth that will give us eternal life. And it's spiritual truth that's really true. Not everything that's spiritual is true. But true spiritual truth will give us sanctification and rewards in heaven. But if we're not walking in sanctification and in the truth, then we're not going to have those spiritual rewards. So we want to grow in the increase that is from God his timing, his way, his growth, as we dwell in his fullness and we concentrate on his fullness dwelling in us and that we are complete in him, coming constantly to his throne of grace to get all the mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Well, having to finish up here quickly in verse 20 to 22, Therefore, if or since you've died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. So since we have all died with Christ, remember that? We've talked about this. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, it's Christ who lives in me. So since we're living in Christ, why are we going back to the basic religious principles of the world. All religions of the world are identical except for Christianity. Now understand, all religions of the world are 85% the same because we're humans. So all humans, even without religion at all, know lying's wrong, right? Knowing being faithful is right. So Muslim thinks divorce is wrong. Muslim think, you know, the, the Jehovah Witness thinks adultery is wrong. Muslims, Christians, Hindus, everybody thinks adultery is wrong. Stealing's wrong. Lying's wrong. Being honorable is good. You don't have a religion that says not being honorable is good. Everybody believes it's good. So when you look at the basic truths about man, those truths you have because we're made in God's image. And we're born with those truths. God's given us a conscience. So our conscience will tell us, hey, lying, 
you feel sorry for that, don't you? You cheated on that test. Oh, I got an A. Oh, son, you did so good, you got an A. I cheated on that test. I don't feel good about getting that A. Well, why don't you feel good? You got an A. Because my conscience won't let me feel good about it because I did it deceitfully. So Satan can't just come out and give you a 100% lie because our human nature would just say that's ridiculous. Although we're going to get there in just a minute, in the last days, such things can be true, just like we're seeing. You know, water's not wet anymore. Up is not up and down is not down. Young people are old and old people are young. And women are men and men are women. And, and you know, two homosexuals can have a, a family as well as two heterosexual, or two heterosexual people can have family. They all can be equal. And you're just like looking at this going, this is no joke. I just saw on a thing, it was a, it was a guy talking about it. And, and there's people that say they're furries. Have you heard of this? It's where these junior high and high school kids are saying, I'm actually an animal. I, I see myself as a cat. And so this one guy sarcastically was saying and then found out it's already been in the works that they would have their own bathroom at all, everywhere in the schools for furries. And the guy was joking, were they going to put a litter box in there? <laughs> and you're just like going, they're suing the state of, I don't remember where it was, Wisconsin or whatever, because people that identify as animals need to have their own bathroom. It's like, it, yeah, I feel like I went through the whole Alice in Wonderland, right? So I, I'm not saying that, that, that it's got to be logical because once Satan begins his deceptive ways, he can say water's not wet, up is not up, and down is not down, and, and, and people, a small percentage, but nevertheless a group of people will believe the craziest of things. But we who have died to these elemental principles of the world, and, and so the elemental principles of the world is about man doing it for himself. I don't need any religion. I, whatever I need, I'll do it myself. I'll build my own house. I'll create my own water source. I'll get my own electrical source. I'll just go in the woods and I'll live off the land and, and I don't need you and you don't need me and, and I'm gonna be my own person and I'll take care of it. Well, we can't do that when it comes to having our sins forgiven and having eternal life. What's another elemental principle? We all die. <laughs> What's another elemental principle? That eternity is in everybody's heart. Every, every little kid's like, where did you come from, mommy? Well, I came from my mom and dad. Well, where did your mom and dad come from? Their mom and dad. Well, where did their mom and dad come from? Well, their mom and dad. Well, where did their mom and dad come from? They, they start getting it. Like, hey, it goes into infinity there until there's something that started it all. In the same way, I exist, and spiritually, I exist forever. They have eternity in their hearts. And that human man with his principles of, I'll be the best person I can be, and if God accepts that, great. If not, send me to hell. I'm fine with that. Nobody's fine with going to hell. Nobody's fine with not being forgiven. And so he says here, we need spiritual truths. And so why are you reducing this down to do's and don'ts? All the religions of the world, you know, as a good Muslim, you don't have alcohol. As a good Mormon, you don't have coffee. As a good Catholic, you don't eat meat on Fridays. You, all of them have these do's and don'ts. And, and, and if you do eat meat on that Friday rather than just fish, then you're in trouble with God. Now, why? Why, why? why can I only eat fish? Where is that written? What's the truth of that? Well, you don't, don't ask questions. That's the other part of this religion. You don't get to ask questions. You just do as I say. That's the word they always come down to. And so it ends up in aestheticism. Let me tell you, there's a difference between self-denial and denying self. Well, didn't the Bible say to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow Jesus? Yes. 
I'm doing it as a conviction between me and Jesus out of love for Jesus and relationship with Jesus. I want to be fruitful today because I love Jesus and I love my fellow man. It's not to make me holier. It's not for others to look at me and go, wow, look at Brian. He's got a big chunk of ash on his forehead. You ever seen that? There's Catholics that got this little tiny thing. You can't really see it on Ash Wednesday. But then you see other Catholics. It's like, man, stops at the top of their head, goes down to the end of their nose, and uh, where's your ash mark? Real Catholics have a big, giant ash on their forehead. Look at me. I am committed. Look at me. I'm serious about Catholicism. Yeah, these things, it's, it all turns around to your pride, to you saving you, to you growing you, to you being more spiritual. You're making yourself spiritual. Why? Because I don't want to wait on God to make me spiritual anymore. I'm just going to take it in my own hands and make it happen. It's pride. I don't need God to help me. I can do it myself. No, you can't. This is what we have come to learn. We need a Savior, Jesus Christ. The Pharisees thought they were whole and good. Jesus said, this is why I'm going to the poor. This is why I'm going to those who are sick. You, oh, Mr. Pharisee, you don't need a doctor. But they need a doctor. So that's where I'm going to go, where they need one. But then when he turns around and says, until you say you need a doctor, you can't get better. You're going to die in that illness. If you say you have no sin when you really have sin, you're, you're in big trouble. This is an issue in the last days in particular. We're going to see this. Guys, in the very last days, hang in there just another minute. First Timothy 4, verse 1 through 5, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving to those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if received with thanksgiving and is sanctified through the word of God. So Christians who are still going to go to heaven, they, in the last days, they're going to be cheated from their reward. They're not going to finish their race well because actual demonic doctrines in the name of God in the name of being holier, in the name of being pure, in the name of being more spiritual, are going to infiltrate the Christian church as well. And Christians will start saying, you're right, we're, we're not going to get married. You're right, we shouldn't be eating those foods. Truly, godly people are all vegetarians or whatever it is. And they're going to focus on these elementary principles of the world. Don't touch, don't handle, don't eat. Spit that out. Don't touch that person. They're unclean. Don't talk to that person. You know, the, the, the Democrats have totally messed up. They're having homosexuals and transgendered and furries getting married. We can't acknowledge the California system of marriage anymore. As Christians, we just, we're married. You just go down to the beach and you and God and, and you know, a handful of Christians, that's it. We're not going to acknowledge the legal system of marriage in California anymore. It's so messed up. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I just know Christians who love the Lord, who are going to be in heaven, he says, plain as day, the Spirit expressly says, jumping up and down, in the last times, people are going to depart from the faith. They're no longer going to be a part of sound doctrine in the church. Well, finally here, we finish up with verse 23. These things indeed I have an appearance of wisdom and a self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They appear wise. <gasps> Did you hear what that guy said? That is so wise. You know, what was that one guru years ago? You will know that you have ascended when you understand one hand clapping. Oh my goodness, we got to write that down. We got to make a shrine to the one hand clap. What does it mean? Oh, I can't tell you. You got to you got to come up to answer yourself. I know what it means. 
because people on the inside, we know what it means, but I can't tell you. It, it, it looks like a wisdom. It's not wisdom. It's nonsense. Well, you Christians are demonic because you're against an 11-year-old boy becoming a girl. Did you see this last week in Austin, the front page news, people praising this. 11-year-old boy did his first transgender dance on the stage, or what do they call that? And they were, it was like the best thing in the world. And this kid was elated. He was euphoria. He was so happy. And his parents were so happy that at 11 years old, he's already begun to transition and he's already dancing on this stage. And all his friends at school think it's great. And all his teachers at school think it's great. And, and, and oh, you know, and, and if you don't think it's great, there's something wrong with you. Okay, this is foolishness. This is demonic. This is, you do, not have a, you do not have a society or an army full of a bunch of transgendered people and, and stay as a country. In the same way they come in and pervert the truth of Jesus, of the Bible. Oh, the books of the Bible that are real important, the Christians don't add them. Let me get you the lost books of the Bible. Let me find you to the, you know. All these self-imposed religion, man-made religion, man-made ideas. But no, they're not man-made ideas. They're God's ideas. You just don't know about it because you don't have the book of Enoch. If you had the book of Enoch, then you would know this is from God. It's a neglect of the body, but it has no real value in spiritual growth, in spiritual fighting against the sinful world, sinful flesh. It's a lie. As a matter of fact, it actually makes it worse. Romans 7 talks about this where Paul said, I didn't covet until I heard thou shalt not covet. And then I started coveting. Had the law not said it, I never would have coveted. I never would have sinned. The law actually made me sin. Isn't it true of all of us? If I had 100 cabinets up here and I said, look, I gotta be gone for an hour. Can you watch these cabinets and nobody gets into them? You can look at all of those cabinets with that one right there. I'll be back in an hour, but don't look at that. You can look at the other 99. Did you even want to look at that cabinet before I said that? But now that's all you want to do is open that one cabinet, right? You want to ever want to win a bet, say, hey, I could get 99% of the people walking through this mall to touch that wall over there. Why would anybody touch that wall over there? I can get 99% of everybody to touch that wall. You want to bet? $100, let's bet. You just get a big old sign. Do not touch, paint wet. Now 99% of the people will touch it. That's what laws do to us. Well, Romans 7, verse 21 to 23, I'll let you read that on your own. But Paul basically says, there's a principle that I am a sinful human being. And being in this sinful body is gonna be a wrestling match until the day we leave this sinful body. And it does not mean I'm not saved. It does not mean that God's word is not powerful. It does not mean that I'm not growing. It's just simply this body doesn't get saved. My spirit got born again. My soul, the Holy Spirit, has come into my life and filled my soul up. My body does not get better. <laughs> so people think, well, once my soul is saved, my body, my hand will eventually get born again too. My leg will get born again too. My brain will get born again too. No, it doesn't. No part of your body gets born again. It's just a sinful body that grows in corruption. Well, guys, we've been going way too long here. Sorry about that. But Paul says, don't let anybody cheat you from the simplicity that's in Christ. All the religions are very elaborate. You gotta buy their, their workbooks, you gotta buy their 201 and their 301 and their 401, and they will keep having you buy their materials until they are multimillionaires, they'll keep having you. It gets more and more intricate, more and more confusing, more and more detailed. That's not Christianity, a child can understand it. It's about a relationship of love, walking with the Lord. Well, I have a number of verses here, but we won't have time to look at them, but realize the truth of our sinful condition. We're sinners. Our bodies are sinful until we are with the Lord. They're not gonna get saved, not our bodies. 
We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And that is our justification and our sanctification. Walk by faith, not by sight. Righteousness comes by putting our faith in Christ. You are complete in him. Trust in God's faithfulness. He remains faithful even when we're not. And then finally, trust in his grace for redemption and sanctification. Lord, thank you for your word today. And thank you for all the things we've been able to do from focusing on the day of the persecuted church to focusing on communion, to having a time of worship, to having a time of a large section of some very detailed verses of doctrine. We just ask now, as you've told us, to feed the sheep, but also to warn the sheep. We ask today that this inoculation would keep everybody from being affected by all the worldly doctrines of demons that seem so wise, so insightful, but they lead us away from keeping our eyes on you. They lead us away from the simplicity that's in Christ of true Christianity. And they bind us up and bound us up, keeping us from being fruitful as we're supposed to, keeping us from getting all the reward we can have in this life stored up in heaven. Cleanse us and wash us and heal us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.